Well, good morning. Good morning. We meet again, huh? Um, it's an honor to be here with you all always. Um, the moment Tom had asked me to, to be with you, I, I was excited about it. Um, I don't get a lot of invitations to speak places, but when I have the opportunity, I try to um, take full advantage of it and, and be able to be an encouragement to those that I speak to. But I don't want to waste very much time. I want to get right into the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, I'm in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. I'm going to read that verse. I'm reading out of the New International Version of the Bible. Put my water bottle down here. All right. I'm going to read just this fast passage of Scripture, then we're going to get right into this. I'm going to begin my reading. It reads as thus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Where he prayed, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I want to talk this morning with you about um, pursuing solitude and prayer in a demanding environment. And I don't know about you, um, all the years I've lived here in America, um, I've experienced a lot of demands <laughs> living in this society. And it is, living in America is very demanding. Um, I don't know if you all can attest to that, um, but there are a lot of demands on us, uh, a lot of demands that come at us. And I thought about this in, in light of how did Jesus deal with this? How does Jesus deal with demands that are put upon him, even when he was here on the earth? And as I read this past the scripture, I want to kind of give a background as I get into talking about this. Um, Mark, the, the gospel of Mark talks about Jesus being like the, a servant, but also deals a lot of it about his acts, the acts of Christ, the things that he actually did, you know, when he walked here on earth. Um, Jesus was very active in terms of ministry and serving and preaching and healing and all these different things. And in this context, um, we see early on in Jesus' ministry that he was pretty much known as like the miracle worker. Jesus did a lot of miracles, performed a lot of miracles. And as you read in this in chapter one, Jesus had spent a, a, a lot of time um, ministering to a lot of people that were coming to him. You know, he was, he was like a famous dude at this particular time. Um, like a, almost like the, really pretty much like a celebrity at that time. He was very popular. And he was so popular that when people would hear that he was in the nearby villages, People will come, you know, they will come in, in masses of multitude of people will come. And many people will come for various reasons. Um, some will come because they were sick. Um, some had different ailments in their life and sicknesses in their body. Some that came that they were oppressed by demonic forces and they need to be delivered and set free. So Jesus had spent a, a, a lot of time dealing with these people and ministering and serving these people, okay? Um, that, that was just a part of his, his work, and he was often, you know, he was 
he, he was famous and throughout all of the region. Uh, I think it was in verse 28, it says that, um, it says that now the news about him spread quickly around the whole region of, of Galilee. So he was a very well-renowned individual at this particular time. Now, these demands that, that came upon Jesus um, because of his fame, people came because they, were, they wanted to get something from him. It wasn't necessarily they were coming because they wanted to bring something to him. You know, when he was born, people, you know, they came with gifts and things. No, this wasn't the case. People came because they wanted to get something from him. They wanted to receive something from Jesus. And that can be very taxing. That can be very tiresome upon an individual when you have scores of people coming to receive something from you. Not necessarily give anything to you, to receive from you. This was the kind of fame that he had that, that was so, you know, uh, that caused people to, to pull on him because of what he can give. Now, um, think, think in terms of, when you think of fame, I'm just going to deal with that word about fame. Think in terms of in our society that we live in, when you think about fame, okay? Um, and sometimes people, they want to gravitate, they want the fame, but they don't understand what all comes with it. Because to have fame, there's a demand that comes to come with being famous or to have a fame or to be renowned. There's a demand that comes with it. And you think in our society, you know, now we have social media and, you know, um, anyone can kind of get on there and, and, and post something and it can become viral, you know, and you can, you know, before you know it, you know, you're known all around the, the nation, even around the world. Um, you know, sad to say that, you know, the more... Um, crazy it is, <laughs> the, the more attention you get, okay? Um, the more lame it is, the more people tend to gravitate to it, sad to say. And individuals get this kind of attention, all right? Um, but I found that oftentimes when, when we find ourselves in situations where we are being, when there's demand on us and we don't know how to handle it, it can get the best of us. Even us, they, they consider to be really good. They can really get the best of you. So when I thought about this, I was thinking, like, how did Jesus deal with this? How did Jesus deal with demands that are put upon him? And he was in a situation where there was demands that were put upon him as a, a miracle worker. Jesus had fame, but he also had a fight. Okay? Jesus had fame, but he also had a fight. And as you read from this passage of Scripture, from verse 35 to 39, prior to that, him healing people and dealing with people with difficult, difficult situations, um, he found a way how to deal with that and how to pull away from all of that. The Scripture says that very early in the morning, he went to a solitary place, he, a deserted place, and he prayed. Now, you think about the fact that prior to that, all that night and all that evening, Jesus has been healing people. It was almost like a revival was taking place. There were great things happening. When Jesus pulled himself away, and all of a sudden, Peter and them got up, and they started looking for him. And when they found him, they said, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. Now, you think about it, you know, like, when you feel significant, I mean, that's, that's pretty significant. You know, like, everybody's looking for you. 
You know, almost like, you know, someone, you know, people come to knocking at my door like, you know, hey, Roger, everybody's looking for you. They're waiting for you. Where you at? Now, let's be honest. That, that feels good to feel significant, to feel wanted, right? But when he found Jesus, Jesus was in prayer. He knew how to pull away. Okay? He knew how to, you know, he was all caught up in the work. And then early in the morning, in the wheel, like maybe probably around midnight, two, two, two o'clock in the morning, maybe, he pulled away and he prayed. And um, a friend of mine used to tell me that one of the greatest warfares that we, that, that we, that we have it's not the warfare that we may think of, you know, these nuclear bombs or maybe this threat of us against another country or, or something like that. No. The greatest warfare is the distance, the distance between your knees and the floor. That space right in between there, there's so much friction going on in there. There's so much warfare. It's just, a, it's just like a figure of speech what I'm doing. What I'm basically saying is that for us to pray, to pull away and pray, it could become very difficult. So the Bible said that Jesus had to pull himself, he had to detach himself from his work and get into a solitary place and pray. Now, let me tell you this here. Now, this wasn't the only time that Jesus did Jesus, I can give you scores of scriptures when Jesus had pulled away and prayed. After he had fed the 5,000, he sent his disciples away, and then a multitude away, and he departed to the mountain, and he prayed. After he'd just gone and engaged in thousands of people, he departed and sent the disciples away as well, and he went to a mountain, and he prayed. Uh-huh. And then it says that um, in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew himself into the wilderness, and he prayed. He often, meaning it was a custom for him. This wasn't something he did every once in a while. I think it's about time for me to go and pray. It was a custom. It was a part of his routine. All right? And then it says that um, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus prayed with this inner circle of disciples. So sometimes he would pull his disciples. His disciples, Peter, John, and James, he would pull them to the side, and he would pray with them. He took them up on the mountain, and he prayed with them. This was, this was a custom of Jesus. This is a part of his routine. Right? This is what kept him, this is what Jesus was centered into. Well, that he pulled himself aside and he prayed. I'm going to get into depth, but follow me here. We're going we're gonna to get into a little bit more depth about this. Solitude. I'm going to break down about solitude and prayer. Solitude is when someone separates himself from his work, and the main core of his work was dealing with people with needs. Now, Jesus' main core of Jesus' work was dealing with people's needs. Right? That was the main core of his work, was dealing with people's needs. Right? Um, Jesus pulled himself, he knew how to separate himself from the needs of people. Sometimes that can be a hard thing to do. He pulled himself away from the needs of the people. So sometimes pursuing solitude doesn't mean one is like antisocial. Uh, because Jesus called disciples, Jesus actually, when he started his ministry, he called the disciples, called 12 people, disciples to be a part of his ministry, to, to follow him. 
Come follow me. So Jesus showed that Jesus was not antisocial. He was not. So to, to go into a solitary place, I mean, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm not becoming like, I'm going to become like a monk or something like that. You know, I'm just going to separate myself from everybody, you know. And yeah, be careful. You have to be with people, right? You know, you can get a little weird, you know, if you don't. So pursuing a solitude place doesn't mean you're antisocial. But, it's, but it is necessary in our journey. It is necessary. And it has to become a custom of us to do that. You got it? Now, I often thought that what kind of personality did Jesus have? Was Jesus an introvert or an extrovert? Now, for those who are an extrovert, we'll probably say, man, we really we'll hope that he, Jesus was an extrovert. He wanted to be like us, right? A person like an introvert, like myself, I say, I hope Jesus was like me, an introvert. You know, it's like kind of be alone and, you know. Jesus was an extrovert. He also was an introvert. You know, he was an extrovert. He was an introvert like I was, but he was more than an introvert. He was an extrovert like Tom, but he was more than an extrovert. <laughs> I'm just joking. I think Tom more than an introvert anyway. <laughs> You're a quiet guy. But, um, but Jesus, you think about his personality. You think in terms of if he was an, an introvert, Jesus would, you know, it would show in terms of him being alone in prayer in a mountain, in a deserted place, all by himself. Um, we see times that Jesus would pull his... his um, Three of his disciples and go up into the mountain and pray. Then we see Jesus at the time he would bring the 12. Then he would teach them on top of the mountain. Then he would deal with the 70 and he would send them out into the, ministry, into the mission field. Then we see him with the multitude of people. Then he turns back to the disciples and says, what are we going to do with these people? He was all of that. Introvert, extrovert, was, he was all of that. So I can't box them in to just one specific personality. Prayer is not easy to define in a spiritual sense. Because see, Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint or not lose heart. The essence of prayer is being with the Father and aligning, aligning yourself to his will. The essence of prayer, Jesus pulled himself away to a solitary place and prayed. The essence of it is being with the Father and aligning yourself to his will. That's the essence of prayer. The essence of prayer is not me lining up with my prayer list. You know, I, got, I do have a whole lot of things I can talk to God about in terms of, can you do this, can you do that? Man, can you help me with this? Show me how to do this. I can. There's a list of things that we can come, and we can also submit our supplications to him. The Bible encourages us to do that. But the essence of prayer is being with the Father and having this sense of awareness of his presence in your life. That's why when he started off prayer, Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. When he told his disciples, they, saw him, they, said, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Like, like John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus okay, then this is how. Let me, show, let me give you a model of what, it, what prayer is. And the very first thing he said is that our Father who art in heaven, acknowledge his holy name, acknowledge the Father, acknowledge his presence. That's the first thing, acknowledging the Father. 
I like to say that that's the roof of prayer. You know, I'm like, if you take this roof off, oh my God, it gets cold in here. But the Father is the roof of prayer. It's the rooftop. And everything else falls under that. Acknowledging the presence of the Father. And aligning to his will. This is a major key in our devotional life. Everything we do in life should be a reflection of our devotion to God, but solitude and prayer, catch it, is the headquarters of our devotional life, devotional life. Everything I do, I should do it unto the glory of God. It's a reflection of my devotional life. Everything I do, right? But solitude and prayer is the headquarters of my devotional life. You get it? <laughs> Y'all follow me here? Yeah. So when, when Jesus pulled away in solitude and prayer, he was, he was positioning himself in the headquarters, his time with the Father, being with him. Because the ultimate of solitude and prayer is being with the Father and receiving from him. When Jesus was out doing the work, he wasn't receiving anything from no one. It was all need-based, meeting people's needs. But when he was with the Father, it was about receiving from the Father. Because I can't really give what I have not already received. I can't give you love unless I first receive love. Right? I can't give you forgiveness unless I first receive forgiveness. I've been forgiven. Begins with the Father. I like to say the solitude in prayer, it can be seen as your corner in a fight. And I think of a boxing match, right? You know, you have, you know, you know after, after each round, you go to your corner, right? Solitude in prayer is your corner. That's where you can be vulnerable. You can sit. In solitude and prayer, you're not fighting. In solitude and prayer, you're being. And you're being present with your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. Then once, ding, ding, once they get out that corner, you come back out, you come out swinging again. And we'll talk about Jesus doing that too. Even in a boxing match, we have a pause in between rounds. In a boxing match, they just don't fight all the way through. At some point, the ref says, ding, 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 you know what I mean? You go to your, your corner, you go to your corner. <laughs> okay, enough of that fight, man. Take a, take a break. Even in a boxing match, there's a pause. Okay? Now, think about a boxing match without any, you know, any pause, no corner. No corner to go to. You're just in there swinging. Ah, 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 just swinging, you know. Think about it. At some point, the, the, both of the individuals in there fighting, they're going to they gonna both fall down. So even in our life, it's, sometimes it can be seen like a boxing ring. And we're in a fight. And the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Even in a fight, we need to have a pause. 
We can't continue to just fight, 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 fight without pausing. We have to pause, take, sometimes even take off the, the gloves, my God, you know, and sit down in my corner and just be. In prayer, the Father sees you as his child. He's not seeing you as anyone that's trying to prove anything to him. You have to prove to me that you're winning a fight. I just want you to know that you're with me and I'm with you. You're my child. I'm your father. Just be. Oof. So when I'm with the father, he's not even, he's, 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 he's seeing me not just as a husband or as a father. All those things are great. Or as a son or as a brother or as a friend. He's seeing me as a child. He's seeing me as a child that needs to be with him. I'm not asking anything from you, God. I'm not asking you to give me this. I'm not asking you. You know what I have need of before I even ask you. So if you know what I have need of before I even ask you, then I'm just going like, to rest in the fact that I'm just being with you, and it's okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that relieving? I'm just going to be with you, and it's okay. I'm learning to just be with God and just breathe. no fighting. I'm not thinking about the second round or round two. I get there, but right now I'm just, I'm just thinking about you. So when Peter comes and when he says everyone is looking for you, these words of significance, what was Jesus' response? Let's go to the other village. This almost sounds like Jesus ignored his question. Peter's response almost sounds rude. Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Now I'm expecting you to respond to that. Jesus said, let's go to the next town. Because I was sent, for this reason the Father has sent me. Now what was Jesus actually communicating? Was, was that rude? Some of us think that was rude. Wait a minute, Jesus, hold up here. Everyone's looking for you. You would think, you would, yeah, okay, let's go. What are you at? He didn't give in to the demand of the people. Jesus knew who he was, and he was aligned with the Father. If people that gave in to the demands of the people that may have meant him not being in alignment with the Father's will. Because the Father was saying, I want you to go here. Peter was saying, go here with the demands of the people. Which one was Jesus going to choose? He chose the will of the Father. And sometimes the will of the Father can, can look offensive to the demands of the people.
I thought about that. I said, wow, why didn't Jesus respond to that? In John 5 and 19, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. He can be governed, he can either be governed or led by the demands of the people or governed and led by the will of the father. And I'm learning this more and more in my life. I can be all things to all people. Sometimes the best thing I need to say is no. Very respectfully, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's like, you know what? I can't go. You know what? I can't be there. What? But why? I can't be there. Jesus had, Jesus had ministered to these people all night long and served these people all night long, and they're still bringing people to him. Jesus had one point and said, you know what? I have to move on. Let me get these lessons, these life lessons. Let me go through these. Lesson number one that we can learn from this here, or these are major keys. You can place them up there if you can. Where do you find your, your security and significance? I used to always say, Jesus, oh, I'm, you know, Jesus, man, the Lord. But sometimes when the demands of life, when people are looking for you and they make you feel significant, it can, we can find ourselves drifting to the significance that people put on us. You don't have to put significance on, on me, or I don't have to put it on you. You were born with significance. God gave each and one of us significance in our design. We're created in his, in his image and his likeness. So we have value and worth and all that good stuff, right? So our significance is in him. Our security is in him. So Jesus, that's why it was easy for him to, to respond to Peter the way he did, because he responded out of his significance. My significance is in the Father to do what the Father does. It's not in the fact that what everyone is trying to put on me and looking for me and, and trying to make me look, you know, like I'm this great individual. I'm getting pulled this way and pulled that way. No, that's not where my significance is or my security. Number two, are you governed by the will of God or the demands of society? I'm only throwing questions at you. I'm only giving you questions and questions for me and myself as well. These are only questions because there's no learning our first posing a question anyways. So the question is, where do, we, where do you find your security and significance? That's a question. The next question is, are you governed by the will of God or by the demands of society? That's a question. It's only a question. And you and I, myself, we have to fill in those blanks. The next one is stop and go. Um, I like to use that word because God, God's work in us and through us. When we stop and we're in solitude and prayer, that is God's work in us. When we go and do ministry, that is God's work through us. See, Jesus said when he was out ministering to the meeting of needs, that was God's work in. God was working through them. God was, he was meeting their needs. 
But when you're with solitude and prayer with God, that's God's work in us. And sometimes the strength of our work that God does through us depends on the depth of the work that he does in us. Does that make sense? Because that's, once again, solitude and prayer is the headquarters. What God does in me is far more significant than what he does through me. Because what he does in me is about who I am, my sense of being, my worth, my value, and about me coming, becoming aware of that in my life. It's about awareness, being conscious of him in me, and I am in him. Next point. Solitude prayer is the headquarters of our devotional life. The last point I want to end up is Keep your community and stay engaged, but don't forsake your mountain. And the mountain is the mountain of prayer and solitude with the Father. Keep community because we need community and we need one another. Stay engaged, but learn how to stop and then go. It's easier said than done. Stop and go but it's a necessity, especially in a society in which you and I live, when there's a lot of things that pulls on us, and there's a lot of opportunities to be famous or to be known or to be liked, <laughs> like, likes, um, to, be, to have more followers and all that good stuff, right? But ask yourself those questions. I continue to ask myself those questions. What's my significance? Where is my security? We need more devout followers. We need more devout followers. And I'm afraid um, that in some ways, We've been losing some. Some of the most devout followers I've known, they've passed on. Because the person that the world cannot change will be the person that can bring change to the world. All what I'm talking about here is very counterculture, but it can bring radical change to the world of which we live. Amen? Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come to you as your child, as your children. And because you know what we have need of before we ask, we can rest in the security of being with you. Because you are Father, we are your children. Our significance is in you. Our worth is found in you. And in that time of solitude and prayer, it is your work in us. And then your work through us. May we live a life, may we pursue a life of solitude and prayer with you 
May we pursue that, that place of intimacy with you, that we may bring change to the spheres of influence that you've given us. In Christ's name, amen.